Good morning, everyone. Buenos dias a todos. I'm so happy to be here. And enjoy this time at church. If you have a cell phone, take a selfie, take a picture, something, but enjoy your time here. You're safe. You're at home. You're with us. You're part of the family of First United Methodist Church for Word. And I welcome you to this place. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you to the people that are watching us online. Thank you for being also part of us. We're looking forward to see you here worshiping with us. Thank you so much and feel welcome, feel part of our church and just thank you. Let us, let's enjoy service. And also, uh, please, please let us know that you are here, that you came to church by taking those attendance paths that are at the beginning of the end of the pube, depending on your perspective. Just please help us to fill that out and, and give us your name, the name of your family, everything, so we can know that you are here with us. So uh, please stand as you're able and join me to the call to worship. Here in this place, there are no foreigners. Here in this worship, there is only acceptance. Here in our lives, there are no divisions. For God's dwell in each of us. Let us worship in unity and love. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. Oh, Trevor was like, whoa. Well, good morning. So glad you're here. Uh, if you're here in the sanctuary, if you're online, welcome. So glad you're worshiping with us here at the gathering. My name's Clint Church. If we haven't met, I'm one of the worship leaders along with the ga gathering band here. Uh, we're going to do a song. It's fun. It's a fun song this morning, okay? I'm going to teach you the beginning of it. We've sang it a few times here. Uh, it's pretty easy, okay? So it goes just like this. You ready? And all the people said amen. Oh, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Easy enough? I heard one, yeah. Okay, it's easy enough, yeah. Okay, we're going to try it together. Here we go. Let's sing this morning. Oh 
verse it says this when everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus and that's why we gather here today we have put our faith in Jesus when things get rough when the waters are not smooth we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and he sustains us so as we worship today let's sing this song together from foundation is my firm foundation the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus cause he's never let me
Please be seated. I'm Reverend Phyllis Barron, one of your associate pastors, and I am so glad to welcome you here today. And now we're going to enter into a very special time of our service, and that's prayers of the people. It's a time for us to reflect on the people that need prayers, those in our congregation, those that are on your heart. So there'll be an opportunity for you to name those names out loud. And so I invite us all now to enter into prayer. Merciful God, you know that we are on a journey. Protect us and guide us as we find our way. Help us to always care for our families to the best of our abilities. Renew our hearts so that it may be open to receive new love. Be with us as we work and provide and care. Open our ears so that we can understand what we do not know. Our hearts are heavy at the losses we've endured. And Lord, I ask special prayers for your children in Israel and Palestine. They're hurting. They need your love more than ever. We ask you to guide them and surround them to find a way forward to seek peace. Lord, in your mercy. Father God, the creator of all, your creation testifies about your power, grace, and love. New lives, new hopes, new opportunities, new dreams. For all this, O oh God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. Everything that you created, you make free. And over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin, for alienation from you, for violence, for hatred, for greed. And yet we were at our worst. You did not abandon us, but you join us. You come alongside us as Jesus Christ to redeem us, to reconcile us, to restore us to that relationship with you forever. For this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. Always and everywhere, O oh Holy Spirit, we are never alone. You come alongside us. You bring us into new experiences of God's grace and peace. For this constant presence of God in our lives, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. I lift up people in our congregation that are hurting, Lord. Hank, Jim, Shirley, Terry, Lynn, Corey, Ralph, and Phil. Lord, in your mercy. I invite you to lift up those that are on your hearts. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you've heard our prayers, and we give you thanks for your loving arms around us to be a living hope in this world today. Open our hearts to bring peace and healing for all people. Feel the power of God's blood flooding over us, coursing through our veins, encompassing your spirit. Let God's strength and hope abide in you. Then be prepared to go and follow so we can bring blessings to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, in your mercy. Amen.
good morning. We are kicking off our 2024 stewardship campaign today. And by now you've hopefully received a letter from Pastor Lance inviting you to participate. We've already received several commitments, so I thank you for that. You may also find a commitment card in the pew, in the Welcome Center, as well as online. This is also a perfect time to celebrate the Bode ministry of our church. We want to thank you and those who came before you for your Bode generosity, allowing us to do church like we need to do it. Now, the Bible is filled with examples of Bode living. Noah, Moses, Paul, Esther, Mary, and of course, Jesus. The commonality of these individuals is the originator of their boldness, their loving God, and our loving God. Because they trusted God, they got out of their comfort zone. They became adventurous. They became fearless. They became faithful. Fortunately for us, we don't have to walk into a lion's den or walk on water. Being bold begins with trusting God's love for you and then allowing that love to move you forward through anything you are facing or deliberating, monumental or minor. Bold living begins with becoming informed and inspired. And here at First Church, we provide you those tools through the evolution of the Healthy Plate Discipleship Framework. By faithfully putting into practice the six areas of discipleship, worship, pray, serve, play, serve, and give, you will be challenged, but you will also be transformed. For me, giving sacrificially may be one of the most challenging practices, but then I remember, God provides to, promises to provide and care for us. He doesn't ask us to give because he needs our money. He asks us to give our gifts in response to who he is and what he's doing in our lives. The habit of sacrificial giving allows us to trust God in deeper ways and to share his love with others. Being bold is a love-motivated commitment of putting God first in all things. So over the next few weeks, I ask that you spend time thinking about how you will live boldly and how your bold actions will impact our church as well as change our community and change our world. If you have any questions, if I can do anything to help you, I am a phone call away and I would love to visit with you. So thank you. And so now I will invite our ushers to come forward as we prepare our hearts and souls by the giving of our gifts. So please join me in this prayer of thanksgiving. Generous and loving God, we come to you in gratitude, knowing that all we are and all that we have is a gift from you. We give thanks for your constant love and your constant presence in our lives, for providing strength and boldness that we could never find on our own. Help us to always use your gifts wisely and generously so that others are blessed as we have been blessed. It is in your name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition, and invite you to read along in your own Bible or one of the pew Bibles in front of you. The scripture is on page 162 of the Old Testament of the Pew Bible. Hear these words. So she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you, to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus to me and more as well, even if death parts me from you. God speaks to us through the reading of scripture. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dan. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say words of gratitude and thanksgiving. Folks who are doing ministry all over the church today with children and youth, special word of thanks to the confirmation volunteers who are taking our confirmation class for a retreat all afternoon at Lyle Lodge this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thanks to our folks on the tech team for connecting us online, both here and all over the place. A whole bunch of you who primarily connect to the church online have been reaching out to me recently. And I just want to say thank you so much. An increasing percentage of our congregation primarily connects to the church through the online ministries, and that's excellent. I do want to challenge you, though. If you're one of the people who's become really comfortable worshiping online, I want to make sure that you don't do it alone. If you're one of the folks who likes to watch live on the app on Sunday morning from your couch, I want you to think about people that you know, some of your friends, maybe some neighbors, people who aren't interested in getting dressed and coming downtown on a Sunday morning, but would love to come over to your house for that delicious quiche that you're going to make them with croissants and coffee, and then y'all are going to worship together in the comfort of your own home. It's a way of bringing community and church together right there at your own home. Make sure to do that. Invite somebody. They would love to have that invitation from you, even if they don't take you up on it. I also want to talk to those of you who catch up later on, who are really faithful in worshiping through the YouTube recordings or through the podcast. I'm talking to you, Ashley. I'm talking to you. I know her. She's doing it. She's walking her dog right now on Monday, freaking out that I just said her name. If you're one of the people who primarily worships in that way, think about someone in your contacts list in your phone who needs to hear this message or another message. Just forward it to them. Share it with them. Let them know I'm thinking about you. I think this might be relevant to you. Make sure that even if you're worshiping in those ways, you're still a part of community. So I want to start today's message by doing something a little interesting. I want to travel back in time if that's okay. I want to travel back in time to the faraway land and place in time of Arlington, Texas on August 25th of this year. I want to go all the way back to Arlington, Texas of August 25th of this year. And what I want to talk about are these pathetic Texas Rangers <laughs> who have again broken our hearts and who have squandered a historic start to an unbelievable season and once again let us down, having now lost eight games in a row, including a 10-point loss to the Twins today, proving once again we should never put our faith in this team. Proving once again this manager's got to go. This GM has got to go. 
This whole team has got to go. This, this franchise always lets us down. And I'm saying all this and getting all worked up, but I can't even watch the game. But because I have every single streaming facility known to man, I somehow still don't have this one channel that's apparently only available at Chevron stations while you fill your car. And so I can't watch any of the local sports teams. And by the way, it's been 105 degrees for 75 days. And nothing's ever going to get better. Why do we live here? Why do we watch this team? Why do we even dare to hope? That's the message today. <laughs> August 25th. But it ain't August 25th anymore, is it? It ain't, nuh uh. It's October 15th. There's four teams left. And you know who's still playing baseball in the middle of August, October? These little Red Shoe Rangers, that's who's still playing, right? These little Red Shoe Rangers made it to the ALCS. This little goofball team is all of a sudden the unstoppable force that no one wants to come up against, right? Things are clicking. They're looking good. They're going to be on an actual television station that real humans can watch. And by the way, it's like 55 degrees today. Everything that happened on October 25th was true. And feeling that way was understandable. But the story was not over. Does that make sense? It was miserable. It was hot. They were terrible. It was awful. And the story wasn't done. That's what I want to talk about today. So those of you who know my story know that I wasn't a Christian in my uh, early young adulthood, and at some point looking for something real and powerful and transformative and meaningful, more than I was finding in the stories being told in the world around me about just trying to get rich or famous or successful or get abs or something and therefore find happiness, I decided to give Jesus a try. And I gave Jesus a try by going to church, but when I got dressed that morning in Chicago, while all of my roommates were still hungover and asleep, let's be honest, we were 22. Well, all of my roommates were still hungover and asleep, but I woke up and got dressed and I went to church looking for something. I wasn't looking for something that was interesting. I wasn't looking for something that was thoughtful. I wasn't looking for something that was uh, compelling. I was looking for something that was life-changing and life-saving. And my thought when I walked down the street going to that church was, you know what, I feel like I'm in a real cul-de-sac in life, and maybe, just maybe, Jesus has an answer for me. So what I'll do is I'll give it a try every Sunday for five or six years and see if anything happens. No, that's not what I thought. I thought I'll give this a try like once, twice, if the donuts are good. But that's it. I mean, I was willing to give it a shot like once. And so as the preacher, I think all the times about the people who are here faithfully and regularly, about the people who are multi-generations in the church, the people for whom this is the solid rock and the foundation of their lives. But I got to be honest with you, I spend a lot more time thinking every single week about the person who's walking through the door just barely. 
about the person who's overcoming grief, the person who's fighting despair, the person who's not wondering, what's a good way to live my life, but is instead wondering, is life even worth living another day? I think about those people, and I want to make sure that the message is a message of hope, and the message is a message of resonance, and it speaks into your real pain, and your real hurt, and your real needs, and the real places that you really are with the real people that are actually around you, that speaks to you, that connects with you, that gives you something worth living for each and every day. And I pray that the Scripture supports it, that it's one of those Scriptures that connects us to the good news of the resurrected Christ that can't possibly be overcome. It's a Scripture that connects us to the fact that death is not the end, that the grave itself has been defeated. That it's a Scripture that points out that all people everywhere are inheritors equally in the promises and the work that Christ has for each and every one of us, not to condemn us, but to restore us and bring us to life anew. I pray that that's the Scripture that we have so that we can have that message every single week. And sometimes the scripture's from Ruth. That's a joke that I tell myself a lot. I tell myself thinking about the scriptures and all the different things that you can cover and how important it is as a preacher of the Bible in a congregation to make sure that we don't just cherry pick our very favorite portions of Scripture, but that we read the whole context. We educate ourselves on the whole story, and some of those Scriptures just so easily lend themselves to those powerful moments of conversion and life change. And some of them instead are just more like helpful background and context. And it can feel a little bit more difficult in understanding what this meant in this time and this place, and how it can have any meaning or impact for us today. And this can seem like one of those scriptures, but I have to tell you, in the course of my study over the time of this week, I feel like this is exactly the message we needed for today and exactly the scripture for this time. Let me give you a little background. The reason that we're reading Ruth is it's one of the books that comes toward the beginning of the Hebrew Bible. It takes place in a series of time that's called the Judges. It's a time when Israel has established itself in the promised land, and yet we haven't yet begun the series of monarchy and kings that begin with David and then Solomon and then kingdoms yet to come. We're in a uh, sermon series called Beginnings because over the course of this month, we've been looking at all of these really foundational pieces of Scripture, these things that establish the foundation of here's who God is, and here's what it means to be called apart by God, and here's what it means to live in following God as God continues to reveal God's self to God's people in preparation for the revelation of God's self in Christ Jesus. We've been looking at these beginning era texts, and it's important to understand what's happening in this text. Just to give you an overview, a quick summary of the book of Ruth, it's the story primarily focused on a couple of women. It should really honestly be called the book of Naomi, in my opinion. So the book of Ruth takes place in that setting. It's Israel is in the promised land, but there's not yet kings. And there's a woman named uh, Naomi, and she's married to a man named Elimelech, and they have two sons. And I have to write it down because this is where my uh, Hebrew memorization fails me. They have two sons, Machlon and Chilion. So Machlon and Chilion... Uh, um, Elimelech and Naomi. You know, I feel like I baptized Ruth's and I baptized Naomi's. I don't know if I've ever baptized an Elimelech. <laughs> and I want y'all to work on that. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Elimelech and Naomi, they live in Bethlehem in the promised land. And there's a famine. And they're afraid for their ability to feed their children. 
And so they leave. They go to a foreign land. They leave Israel. They're people of Israel, given land to them by God, and they leave it because they're afraid. They go to an area called Moab. It's east of the Dead Sea. And there they establish themselves. Their children grow up, and they marry women native to that area, Moabite women. Elimelech gets sick, and he dies. Then all of a sudden, uh, Naomi's two sons get ill, and they die. So it's just Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. Naomi has no future. In their society, it's your well-being is responsibility of your husband and then of your adult sons, and now she has neither. See, she's no way forward. There's no path for her. She ends up saying to her two daughters-in-law, who are natives to the land in which they are here, Orpah and Ruth, go back to your families. Go back to your families. Go back to your communities. You're not too old. You haven't had children. You can marry again. You can have a new life, and Orpah does. And Ruth says, no, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you, Naomi. And our scripture reading today is so incredibly beautiful. The language that's in it is so powerful. Do not press me to leave you and turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will you lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And to be honest with you, a couple of times people have said, we love this scripture. This is the scripture we want to use in our wedding. And I say, that's incredibly beautiful. It's an amazing vow. Do you realize that's the vow that the woman is making to her mother-in-law? <laughs> Are you sure that's what you want to do? <laughs> Are you sure that's your plan? So they end up going back to the land of Israel. Something extremely wonderful happens. Uh, back there, there's a relation of Naomi, which means it's actually a relation of Naomi's sons, which means it's a relation of uh, Ruth's former husband, and it's a man named Boaz. He ends up marrying Ruth, providing for her. They end up having a child named Obed. It's an amazing story of just completion and fullness and restoration that happens. Obed goes on to be the grandfather of David, so he's not only in the lineage of King David, that also means he's in the lineage of Jesus. So it's this incredibly powerful story. There's a lot of different uh, elements of the text that have a lot of allegorical teachings about completion and unity and overcoming boundaries that are incredibly important. And that's how the story feels if we listen to the whole story. But I want to try to put you in the position of what the readers or the hearers of this story would originally hear when it was communicated to them. Try to put yourself in the mindset of the people who are hearing this story for the first time. It's a story of a woman of Israel, and she's married of a man of Israel, exactly like you're supposed to be. And they're living in the promised land, something that the people of God have yearned for from so incredibly long. And then times get difficult. And over and over again, what has been told to the people of Israel when times get difficult is trust in God, trust in God, trust in God. And they don't, the hearers would think. They don't trust in God. They don't steward this land. They don't stay in the place where God has given them and promised them to be. Instead, they leave it, and they don't leave it for just anywhere. They go to Moab. Moab in the Israelite community is one of the most hated and feared and prejudiced against peoples on the land. And then worse than even going and dwelling there, they allow their sons to marry Moabite women. The hearers who heard this story would go, whoa, whoa, huge mistake. 
They'd be thinking of texts like this that go from uh, Deuteronomy. Gage is on the screen upstairs. If you bring it up, Gage, and we can read through it. Deuteronomy 23, 4 through 7. So this is law that comes from Moses. And Moses says this. Let me read it. Because they did not meet you with food and water on your journey out of Egypt, and because you hired a, they hired against you Balaam, son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Next slide. Yet the Lord your God refused to heed Balaam. The Lord your God turned to curse and to a blessing of you because the Lord your God loved you. Next. You shall never promote their welfare or their prosperity as long as you live. This is all against the people of Moabites. You shall not abhor any of the... And this is the next text. We don't go on to that one. We stop at six. That was all against the Moabites. You will not respect them. You will not live with them. You will certainly not let their sons marry your daughters. This is the law given from Moses to the people. Because these people, when we were coming out of the land of Egypt, didn't help you, didn't support you, in fact, called in a foreign priest to try to curse you because they were so scared of you, you will shun them. You will separate yourselves from them. You will have nothing to do with them. And yet Naomi and Elimelech not only go and they live in that land, but they let those men marry their daughters. And when the people who originally heard this story heard what happened, a person who lived in such what they would have imagined as an unfaithful, in a rule-breaking way, what happened to her? Her husband died. And then her sons died. And she was left in a foreign land with nothing. And the original hearers who heard that story would have heard, well, that's the moral of the story. That's the moral of the story. Don't break the rules. Don't break the laws. Don't go to the bad place. Don't be with the bad people. I mean, it was right there in the Bible. What are you doing? Of course that terrible thing happened to you. But the story wasn't over. That's not the end of the story. You know, it's an interesting thing to do, to read the entire book of Ruth, to see the entire story. And this story right here is at a low point. And to try to imagine who's at work in this story. The story of Ruth is incredibly powerful because at no point does it ever say, and then God intervened and saved. At no point in the story does it ever say, and then God swooped in and changed everybody's mind. That happens all the time in Scripture. That happens all the time in the faithful witness of the people of God. And that may have happened in this story. I'm not ruling out the action of God. But what I am lifting up are the actions of faithful followers of God. Naomi wasn't perfect. Naomi wasn't a perfect person. She didn't leave the land because she was giving up on the covenant of Israel. She wasn't trying to turn her back on her people. It was a famine, and she had children, and she and her husband were doing anything they could possibly do to try to survive. And then her daughters married men that they found because guess what? That's what daughters do. You think this was my in-law's plan? It was not. <laughs> it was not. But kids did what kids do. Something happened over the course of the relationship between Naomi and Ruth. 
Ruth grew up in a foreign land, didn't know anything of Israel's God, didn't know anything of Israel's people, didn't know anything of Israel's promise, but something happened in her relationship with Naomi. In the course of her relationship with Naomi, she didn't just fall in love with a kind person. She didn't just come to adore her mother-in-law. She didn't just come to find that she had a new family in this new person. She came to not only love Naomi, but the God who made her this way. The God whose faith energized her. The God whose faithfulness transformed her. The God whose continued faithfulness gave Ruth hope even when Naomi saw none. And so even though it seemed like all the options were closed, and even though it seemed like all the doors were shut, even though it seemed like there was no way forward, Ruth faithfully stood in the footsteps of her mother-in-law and said, I'm not giving up and neither should you. So they go home and they go back and they reconnect and through the faithfulness of a man named Boaz, who's not only living into the covenant responsibilities that he has through their community, but is also just genuinely hopeful and kind, their story is transformed. And her story is transformed from one of loss and isolation and fear and seemingly no way to survive into one of prosperity and love and family and connection. And from this Moabite woman, from this untouchable person, from this bad person, from a bad place, becomes a child who becomes key to the very lineage and hope and centrality of all of Israel's purpose, not only King David, but the heritage of Jesus Christ himself. God took the nobody from nowhere, the ugly, the wrong, the untouchable, and through their faithfulness, transformed it into something beautiful. I don't know in what way God is at work in this story, but I know that God's fingerprints are all over it. Because whether it's the actions of the people or whether it's the work of God behind the scenes, this is a story where things are broken and things are hopeless and things are scary and things are lost and instead comes family, connection, life, love, and the American League Championship Series. <laughs> Last week, I uh, did something that I haven't done before, and that is I spoke almost entirely off the cuff because I was so upset by the news that had developed um, in Israel and Gaza, and it's the images of violence and the suffering of innocent people on both sides of, of fences, and uh, I was just really overcome by it. So last week I talked about these just big questions that it raises about things like, you know, is a God worth worshiping if the people who love that God not only suffer violence, but commit it as well. And then a bigger question about humanity. Is humanity even worth saving? And so if you want to hear more thoughts on those things and you weren't here last week, they're recorded online. They're on the podcast, however you want to find them. You know, one of the things that really resonated with me is I don't know if humans are worth saving, but God keeps doing it. God keeps showing up. God keeps restoring. I don't know what the resolution is in such an intractable conflict that to me seems so hopeless, to me seems so unsolvable, to me seems so intractable, and yet I know it's not the end of the story. 
I know this may be the August 25th of that story, but a better time is yet to come. To those of you who walked in the door today, who are barely hanging on through grief or isolation or loss, for those of you who are so stressed out about whatever is waiting for you in your email inbox or on your voicemail that you have overwhelming anxiety before work starts tomorrow, I need you to know that this is not the end. For those of you who are suffering through a relationship that is cracking apart at the seams, I need you to know no matter how hard things are right now, this is not the end. For those of you who have someone that you love in the grave, I promise you that through Christ Jesus, even this is not the end. And that's the hope for today. And that's the good news, and that's the promise, and that's the assurance. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how much your kids or your parents or your spouse or your community or yourself are suffering, no matter how much you seem lost, no matter how overwhelmed you are, no matter how hurt you are, no matter how much doubt is filling you to the edge of tears right now as you listen, know that this is not the end. God is with you. Christ is working. This is not the end. Let us pray. Great and loving God, great are you and greatly to be praised. Lord, for anyone who walked through the doors today, for anyone who is watching online today, for anyone who caught a portion of this shared to them by a friend who just needed to know this, know the suffering, the hurt, the pain, the lostness, the grief, the ambiguity, it is real and it hurts. It is valid, it is true, and also it is not the end. God is with you. God is at work, not only through God's own self, but through the faithful people of God around you, with you. This is not the end. God, I ask you to see, to help us see, how through Christ Jesus you are with us now and every day, shaping, redeeming, restoring. Help us understand how our story ends in you and nothing, no powers, no principalities, nothing high, nothing low, nothing in this world or the world to come, not even the grave can separate us from your love. Help us to live, help us to trust, and help us to follow in the footsteps of your Son, Jesus the Christ, as together we pray the words that he taught us to pray saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As you come to the table today, you may be coming from a place of fullness, from a place of family and connection and overflowing goodness, if so, amen. You may be coming from a place of loss, of grief, of seeing how best laid plans and hopes for the future are laid asunder, feeling empty, that you were called in full and sent away with nothing instead. And no matter who you are today, the message is the same. 
The message is that Jesus, on the day he was to give himself up for us, took an ordinary loaf of bread, gave thanks over it, blessed it, and passed it, and said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it, and passed it, and said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we eat it and drink it often in remembrance of the God revealed and made known to us in Christ Jesus, always at work, always saving, always redeeming, always making new. As I invite forward those who will be assisting with the serving of communion today, I want to remind you that the way that we do it here at First United Methodist Church is on the first floor you'll be released from the back by ushers. You'll come forward down the center aisles with your hands held open like this. Someone will place either a piece of bread or a piece of gluten-free bread into your hands. You'll then go to the next station where a cup of non-alcoholic grape juice will be ready for you. You'll eat the bread, drink the juice, and head up the outside aisle where a trash can will be ready for your now empty cup. If you're on the balcony, we have a station for you up on the east side of the balcony, but of course you're also welcome to come to the floor. Anyone is always welcome to take extra time and kneel and pray at the rail if you would desire to do so. This is not the First United Methodist Church's table. This is not the gatherings table. This is not the table for people who have it all together. This is not the table for people with perfect theology, perfect morals, perfect actions, perfect everything. This is Christ's table. Like his love, like his grace, like his redeeming work, it is for everyone here today. Every age, every background, every understanding, it is for you. The table is set, the meal is ready. Come forward and be fed. Burning light. 
As we come to the end of our time of worship today, just one quick announcement about something special that's happening in the Baker Family Children's Wing. If you walk all the way to the end of the Children's Wing, over by where the new playground has been built, all the way to the end of it, we're having a book fair right now. So if you're going to pick up kids at the, in the Children's Wing, stop by, let them check out the book fair. Uh, if you've got grands or nieces or nephews or someone like that, it's always nice to have an emergency birthday present at the house. So uh, proceeds benefit the uh, 
the daycare here at the school, the Early Learning Center. Um, also, you can purchase books for their library as well. So make sure to swing by and check it out. Now, if you are a person who is a part of the church here and are looking for a way to get connected, to find places of belonging, to find your people with whom you can grow and learn and serve together, Angie's up front here at the on-ramp. She would love to answer any questions that you have. If you're a first-time visitor or guest, she also has a gift for you as well as for any kids that might be with you. Also, we are a church that takes praying together very seriously. So if there's anything that's going on in your life or in the life of someone you love that would benefit from being lifted up in prayer, please come and visit with Scott over here at the Congregational Care Ministries sign to share what's going on. And Scott would love to pray with you and help make sure that you know that that's before the Lord and heard by the Lord before you leave here today. Now, would you please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you. And no matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are today, know that this is not the end. And the end ends with God. Amen? Go in peace.